Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, and thank you for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge during this holiday week here on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, her producer. We're doing these best of shows all week long because the reality is we had a lot of great conversations this past year here on Mornings with Carmen. Coming up this hour, we're going to hear two more, one with Jason Meyer, which I'll talk about in a moment, and also D.A. Horton. Okay, the pandemic was big news this year, so uh, thanks to the events of the death of George Floyd, the racial issue became a big issue again this year. And how are we as Christians, the church, supposed to lean into that conversation to get, get into the tension and actually work to bring healing? We'll be talking about that in the second half of this hour. You know, this was an interesting Christmas. Um, maybe you woke up Christmas morning hearing about a, an explosion down in Nashville. Now, thankfully, no one was killed apart from the person doing the bombing, from what they can tell. Um, caused a lot of disruption. While that was bad, maybe you haven't heard about this. A very dark situation in Abuja, Nigeria, where Boko Haram is blamed for an attack on a Christian village Christmas Eve... That killed 11 people, a uh, priest was abducted, the church was set on fire, and at least 10 10 homes were burned and food supplies looted. Again, uh, Nigeria has been a desperate situation, and yet, believe it or not, there is a Christian church there that is thriving and strong in the midst of all that is going on there. They, in the midst of a lot of suffering and a lot of lament, they also have an amazing hope. And... Okay, we've been going through a hard time this year ourselves. Nothing like that, thankfully. But yet, maybe you are struggling with the tension of, okay, it's supposed to be Christmas time, we're supposed to celebrate, or the holidays and such, or we're just supposed to be happy and not worry, and yet there's a lot of discouragement. Well, how do you navigate that and lament well? Now, we talked right before Thanksgiving with Jason Meyer. He's a pastor here in the uh, Twin Cities at Bethlehem Baptist Church. Plus, he has a book out that is called Don't Lose Heart. We talked to him about that back, oh boy, I think it was in, in March. But then we had him on again right before Thanksgiving as we apply the issue of lamenting during the holidays and yet finding hope. And even though Christmas may have been this past Friday, we're still in the holiday season. We wanted to re-up that conversation one more time during this holiday. So stay with us. That's up next here on Listener Supported Faith Radio. back pastor jason meyer from bethlehem baptist also the author of don't lose hope jason welcome back great to be with you carmen yeah so let's um let me just ask you as a pastor um what what are you 
experiencing in terms of what people are feeling and how they are approaching the holidays this year? Yeah, I, I think there's this kind of dual reality that we always experience. Uh, there's the hope of the holidays and the things that we enjoy about it and the promise of delight and family and all that. Uh, and then you also have the uh, challenge of the holidays that comes with it, where sometimes there's hard family dynamics. Sometimes there's extra things like this year with pandemic and, and election controversy and all the rest. And so I think people in their in their hearts want to have hope that the holidays will be good. And in their heads, they think this is going to be terrible. I just need to endure it. So some people like want to thrive, but they feel like oh, I'm just going to try to survive. So um, you, wrote, you wrote a whole book on the topic, um, you know, don't lose heart. Let me give people the subhead because I think that um, it, it, it helps anchor what we're talking about. Gospel hope for the discouraged soul. Um, Jason, talk a little bit about discouragement and the kinds of discouragement that, that we face. And then I want to talk about hope and I want to talk what it is, uh, you know, what is hope as a substantial reality? Yeah, well, the... The kind of recipe or equation for discouragement is actually quite simple. We we look around and the reasons to lose heart are so great, so prominent, so in your face that you try to always do this calculus where you say, is is what I'm facing versus what I have enough? And let's face it, we we never feel like we're enough. We never feel like we're on top of everything. We never feel like we have what we need. And so we, we always walk around with this just low-level discouragement when actually when you think about biblical hope, it doesn't say that the, the reasons to lose heart are fake. It says they're real, very real, and they feel very in your face. But biblical hope says the reasons to take heart are always greater than the reasons to lose heart. So if you just think about an analogy, if I think the the discouragement idea is just perfectly exemplified in the Eastern Airlines Flight 401 that crashed December 29, 1972. As they went back and looked at this airline flight, what they found was there was a burnt-out bulb for the landing gear. The landing gear was actually down at the end of the flight heading into Miami, but the, the bulb, the, the green light that indicated the landing gear was down wasn't on. So the second officer was looking into it. He couldn't figure it out. And then the first officer looked into it and they couldn't figure it out. And then the, the captain started looking at it as well. And they didn't realize that the, the autopilot had been turned off. So without even realizing it, they, they were losing altitude and too late discovered that the plane had crashed. So they, they spent so much time looking at the warning light that they missed the landing strip. And that can be so easy for Christians to do during a pandemic, during an election cycle, during family drama, where you spend so much time looking at the warning light and you think that's what I've got to focus on, and you become preoccupied with it, and you miss eternity. You miss the fact that God is at work, like in the political cycle. Yes, it's, it was an important election, 
But Christians, when you read the book of Acts, you discover it was never the church's strategy to try to get the right ruler in power. The ascension says he already is. He's ruling and reigning. He's building his church. We're heading to eternity. We know that our future is certain. Jesus said in this life you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we need to stop looking at the warning light and remember the the landing strip. Okay, I'm typing, I'm writing, I'm taking notes. A listener saying, wow, there's another light bulb flash. Um, the, the light, you know, the light dawns um, moment by moment as we speak words of truth into one another's realities. And I want I want people to be mindful of that over these holidays. Like we can influence the atmosphere in the room um, or the atmosphere on our Zoom call or when our family gathers over FaceTime, however it is that your family and your loved ones, your friends, maybe you're doing a friend's Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving, however it is that you are getting together, even if it's not physical, right, it's still spiritual. And you and I can have a spiritual influence in each and one of of those environments. And so let's talk about that, Jason. Let's talk about how I bear hope into an environment where people are discouraged. Like how, how does a believer actually bear the hope into the environment? Yeah, the the real hope is to kind of remove the savior complex that says, I have to bring something into this. I have to do something. If I say it just right, if Mm. I have just the right thing to say, if I say it at just the right time, I mean, that, that will crush you. You have to understand that as a believer, we no longer live. Christ lives in us. And just like when the disciples were huddled in fear for the Jews with doors locked and Jesus comes in with his presence and says, my peace, I give you. As a Christian, when you have the presence of Christ, you're bringing him into that situation where there's fear and he's the one that brings peace. So practical example. When you get into these situations and you're talking with people and they're talking about how hard things are, you get to bring the eternal perspective to bear, the presence of Jesus. So when people are talking about the things that are hard, I always remind people of this eternal perspective, because as Christians, we know that this world is fallen, and therefore there's always challenge. But we also know this is our Father's world, so there's always joys, there's always beauty, and the problem that we find is that if we are experiencing pain, for a Christian, what we know is that that is as close to hell as we're going to get in this life. But if you are an unbeliever, the joys of this life are as close as you'll get to heaven. Therefore, everything needs to be constantly put into perspective. Put your pain into perspective, put your joy into perspective, and that eternal perspective will suddenly bring hope because we know we're not hoping in this life. If, as C.S. Lewis says, we find that we can't be satisfied by anything in this world, then it stands to reason we're made for another world. Okay, again, I'm typing. Okay, how is it that a person, you know, is invested with such good little nuggets of um, of wisdom? So the pain you're experiencing now as a believer is as close as you'll ever get to hell. That's that's a thought to hang on to today. And the reverse is also true. 
for the non-believer, the joy um, that you experience in this world is as close as you're ever going to get to heaven. That that's heartbreaking um, for those of us who are believers and know um, know the joy that is set before us in Jesus Christ and all of those incredible promises. Um, about what yet lies ahead. Jason Meyer and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. The book is Don't Lose Hope. You can also find Jason at Bethlehem Baptist, where he is one of the pastors. We'll be right back. Jason Meyer is pastor for Preaching and Vision at Bethlehem Baptist Church. He's also an associate professor of New Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary. He is the author of Don't Lose Hope, and I love talking with him because of not only his pastor's heart, but um, his biblical insight and the way that he can turn a phrase in ways that sets a hook in my heart and mind um, upon which I can you know, hang the things that happen throughout the day um, and then respond to them by faith. Uh, Jason, we've got a listener who says, hey, there's another reference to C.S. Lewis. Um, People seem to reference C.S. Lewis a lot on your show. uh, And this listener has never read any Lewis. Where do you recommend she starts? Boy, uh, that's a a great question. Actually, most people would say um, it really depends on where your situation is what your heart longs for. If you're looking for really solid proof that Christianity is real, uh, mere Christianity is always a great place to start. Um, If you're looking for insight into the Psalms, I mean, what Lewis says about uh, the the Psalms is just dynamite. Um, Also, the, the screw tape letters are an incredible resource. Like, for example, uh, in the screw tape letters, he's he's actually talking about what one demon would do to help another demon understand temptation. And it is just so insightful, the things that Satan uses to draw Christians away. Just just one example from our political season, um, the, the senior demon writing to the younger demon says, here's how you can use politics to draw away your client from Jesus. First, make politics part of his religion. And then, over time, nurse him so that politics becomes the main part of his religion. And then, over time, what you can do is completely flip it so that religion is just part of his politics. I mean, it's just really incredibly insightful. So, yeah, so much of Lewis is helpful. I mean, of course, Narnia is is a great uh, children's series where you find so many nuggets about who Jesus is and Aslan. Um, he's, he's not safe, but he's good. I mean, there's just tons of helpful stuff in Lewis. And he's so... Um... He's so broad in terms of the things that he writes about. And uh, and so um, I remember reading Surprised by Joy and understanding so much more about love and grief um, by reading that. Uh, I remember, in fact, I've read and reread The Weight of Glory. Um, I think that in terms of understanding the nature of God, that is a... Uh, 
that's a profound conversation. And lots of these, for those of you who are listening and you've never read any Lewis, many of these are actually just available as downloadable PDFs online. Um, and so if you just Google C.S. Lewis and any of the things we're talking about, several of these are available online um, for free. And that might be a, a way that you could you know, scan the content before committing to buying uh, buying a book or something like that. Um, what's the one uh, what's his series that, um, you know, I would consider like, you know, otherworldly in terms of uh, it, it ha- it's. Oh, help me out. It's like a it's like about space. The, yeah, it's often called the the space trilogy. Yeah. So um, that one I know I've never read it, but that one is um, is another that people point to frequently um, in terms of the conversations that we're having uh, having today. Um, yeah. All right. Back to our conversation about lament. Um, when when you turn to the scriptures um, in times of lament, where do you turn? I mean, the the Psalms, probably um, a third of the Psalms are lament. And one of the most powerful things about the Psalms is that they don't just give you um, a, a, a light into your experience. They don't just speak to you. Sometimes they speak for you. You have an experience and you can't quite put it into words and you're reading a Psalm and you find out, oh, this is exactly what I'm feeling. I couldn't even put that into words. One person said, if you complain about God, that's sin. If you complain to God, that's a psalm. So, mm. so often these things are just speaking for us as we have words of lament given so that we can pray it back to God. All right. Now, um, a, a completely different conversation here in the last couple of minutes we have. What are you preaching on right now in the lead up to Christmas? We're actually going through the book of Acts, and we're looking at Acts 1, 1 through 11 in Advent. And what's so powerful about it is the first three verses are about the first coming of Christ. The last three verses, verses 9 to 11, are about the second coming of Christ. And smack dab in the middle of that is the commission of Christ to make him known among all the nations, which is exactly what we're called to do in this time. Why are we still here? The Spirit has been given to us to testify of Jesus. The Spirit has not been given so that Christians can argue about mass and politics. The Spirit is given so that we can testify to Jesus, so that the hope is 2020 would not be looked upon as the year of the mask, but could be for somebody the year of salvation. We're not going to be in heaven someday talking about, you remember the mask? People are going to be talking about 2020, the main story is still Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and return. And people are coming to Christ in this year around the world and here in the United States of America in unprecedented numbers. And so um, for each believer who's listening right now, there is a heart primed by God, primed by the Holy Spirit, primed by the events of the day, um, ready, ready to receive the good news of the gospel. And you and I get to be the people who walk the reality of who Christ is into the lives of others today. Um, We are the hope people. We are the gospel people. We are the light people. Um, And so let us uh, let us be. Let us be the people who know Christ and indeed make him known. The Spirit has been given us to testify to Jesus. And let's make this then the year of salvation. Um, 
And that's about as redemptive a thing as we could accomplish. And Jason, um, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the light uh, that shines through who you are and the word, uh, the word that you preach and the way that you shepherd your flock. We, uh, we, we genuinely appreciate it. Thanks so much, Carmen. You're, you're a real gem. Oh, my husband, Jim, will appreciate that. <laughs> hey, have a blessed day, man. Uh, we'll be right back. Well, again, thanks for listening to the special, special best of edition of Mornings with Carmen. That's something we're doing all week long, highlighting some of the best conversations Carmen had with guests during 2020. I got to tell you about this one. It was one of those that was almost, I guess you could say providential, because D.A. Horton, back in October of last year, put out a book called Intentional Kingdom, Ethnicity in a Divided World, a call to help the church set aside partiality and focus on being truly the body of Christ. Now, we recorded the interview in mid-May. We didn't get a chance to air it before the events of George Floyd's death in late May. We aired it right after that. But again, it's one of those timely things. And we're going to listen to that conversation again in about five minutes here on Faith Radio. This is Max Locato. God is enough. Isn't this the message of Moses and Joshua in the journey to the promised land? Who opened the Jordan River? Who led the people across on dry ground? Who appeared to encourage Joshua? Who brought down the Jericho walls? Who fought for and delivered the people? God! He cared for His people. Even in the wilderness, they never went without provision. He gave them not just food, but clothing and good health. Moses once reminded the Hebrews, Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. The following phrases were never heard in the wilderness. Oh, bummer, my robe has another rip in it. Hey, new sandals, where did you get them? (laughs) There was no want for food, no need for clothing. God provided for them. And God has promised to provide for you. This is Max Locato. Well, welcome back. I am thrilled to be joined today by D.A. Horton. Um, I'm going to describe D.A. as a pastor and a, an author, a father, a husband, uh, a fellow brother in Christ. He might describe himself as a Mexican Choctaw American church planter. D.A., welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's so wonderful to be with you. The last time that, um, that I can recall you and I talking together on air was in 2016, and at that point in time, um, we were in a very different place in terms of um, our conversations in America because we had not yet elected the current president. Um, mm-hmm. And and the conversations that have uh, been a part of the texture of the Christian community, particular, particularly in evangelical Christianity, um, I think have become even more complex uh, in those subsequent years. So I'm really appreciating your book, Intentional Kingdom Ethnicity in a Divided World. So thank you for joining us to talk about it. Yeah, my my privilege. It really is. So um, the last time that you and I talked, we we talked about a lot of tensions. I mean, a lot of tensions. And (laughs) I appreciate that one of the things that you're doing in this book is helping us move from just the recognition that there's a lot of tension to something that is intentional. So talk about that sort of shift. 
Yeah, I think when we recognize the fact that there's just so many nuances in life, so many tensions, uh, you know, we could find ourselves just drowning in anxiety. Uh, we can even be paralyzed by fear, anger, and all the human emotions that we feel. And then I think uh, just looking at the body of Christ, we have to recognize that, you know, Jesus has given us our marching orders. He has given us the command to make disciples, to teach every Jesus follower how to observe and obey the commands that Christ has given us. So the blessed opportunity that we have as the body of Christ is to look at the framework of Scripture and to not deny that there's tension in our fallen and broken world. But at the same time, recognize that we we realize that at the end of human history, Christ is ruling and reigning. And so we want to be a snapshot of what that rule and reign looks like so that it would give us a stronger appeal to the non-believer who does not know about Christ to look at the way that we govern ourselves, the way that we converse, the way that we're navigating through all the various tensions, yet with hope and with the aspect that Christ is going to make all things new. And so we as believers in Christ have to navigate with that hope, even though we dwell in the midst of hopelessness. And that's the goal for intentional is for every believer, no matter where you're from, what your ethnic heritage is, uh, to give us some some handles on how we can move the conversation forward so that prayerfully we can regain our salt and our light for our witness for the glory of Christ. Ooh. Right. I'm going to pause there for just a moment, because if my heart's desire, if my hope is to gain glory for Christ and to to the only glory I'm ever going to really enjoy is glory in Christ. Right. You are you are having me look at you are having me concern myself with things that are literally not of this world. Talk mm-hmm. about talk about the kingdom. Um, and and then I want us to be sure we focus in when we use that language to focus in um, on the fact that it's easy for us to talk about kingdom Christianity when we're talking about global Christianity. But right. you are really talking about us right here in the United States of America with all of the tensions that we experience with one another, manifesting the reality of kingdom kingdom principles and kingdom family um, right here, right now. Absolutely. You know, when we think about the kingdom of God, that's just the rule and the reign of our Savior. And I think that we as the church, uh, and that's every Jesus follower, no matter what your denomination is, if you've embraced Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Uh, so so you're the one I'm speaking to, uh, that we have been given uh, a prime opportunity to be what what we would call a trailer for the coming kingdom. You know, before, before uh, we all went into quarantine, uh, and I know that some states are reopening, uh, we, we used to go to the movie theater a lot as a family, even dates, my wife and I. And before every feature film, there are trailers. There's these two-minute teasers to get you to say, Hollywood, here's my money. And the reality of that trailer is to make it appealing enough for the consumer to then spend their hard-earned money to watch that full-length feature film. Well, in a greater way, uh, we as the body of Christ, specifically here in America where all these tensions exist— We are to be that two-minute trailer of what the coming kingdom is going to look like, not so that people would say, here's my money, but rather they would say, Christ, here's my heart, and I want to be a part of your rule and your reign, which is 
for a greater way, the the uh, parallel is the the feature film that it's the never ending kingdom of God. It's not going to last for two hours. It's throughout all of eternity. And so we as the body of Christ have to learn how to engage in the conversation for flourishing holistically in our lives. That means uh, in the spaces that we live in. That means in our personal walk with Christ and the way that we engage conversationally, the way that we're loving our neighbors, the way that we are speaking well of uh, our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And at the same time, having meaningful relationships. So again, the world will look at us and they will see people from both genders. They'll see people from various social classes. They'll see people from various ethnicities that really don't have a lot in common outside of the fact that we all confess Christ is our Savior and Lord. And that is what Christ was praying for in John 17, that we would be one so that the world would believe. It's not that we have to have everyone vote the same, everyone look the same, everyone do everything the same, but rather recognize that there is distinction that God has given us. And we don't lose that individuality, but at the same time, when we come together, we are saying that Christ is our our chief Lord. He is the one that we worship. We submit all of our distinctions and diversities and even disagreements to him, and we take up our marching orders together to make disciples and make Christ known. All right, I am talking with D.A. Horton. We are talking about intentional kingdom ethnicity in a divided world, and we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with author, speaker, and uh, general kingdom provocateur, uh, D.A. Horton. His book is Intentional, the word tension highlighted right in the middle there, Intentional Kingdom Ethnicity in a Divided World. Um, the book from uh, from beginning to end, really, I think, is summed up at the uh, with this phrase that you use, becoming a brochure for heaven. And when I think about, um, I have heard that said uh, by other people as um, you and I are provisional demonstration of the gospel, right? But yeah. becoming a brochure for heaven is a much more simple way of saying it. So <laughs> if you and I, if you and I individually and together are going to become a brochure for heaven, in fact, I can't do it individually it is a brochure for heaven requires all parts of the body. And so between here and the point where we have produced that brochure in a, in a way that Jesus himself would recognize as, um, as good advertising, as authentically living it out, as really showing people. So between here and there, how do we actually find or create the images and the language that will go into the brochure? You see what I'm doing? I'm looking for those pieces. I'm looking for, it's one thing to have a, a brochure that's a finished product. It's another thing to to be in a position to be one of the people who recognizes that the way that I live and the way that I live alongside others and with others is actually producing the pictures and the language that's going to end up in the brochure. And so how do we do that? Absolutely. You know, um, I think that Jesus has saved us so that we could be seen and what I mean by that is that, you know, we have to be visible witnesses uh, of what kingdom life looks like. And some of the ways that I break it down for the readers and intentional is through acronyms. And I just think of one way, you know, um, uh, the, just the acronym HUMAN, uh, looking at the fact that each of us uh, live in a habitat with social spaces. I think what we as kingdom citizens must look to do is address the issues that are working against human flourishing in the homes, in our community, 
uh, against uh, the flourishing of relationships in our churches, our community, our city, our nation, our world. I think that we need to be a prophetic, uh, you know, voice uh, centering uh, the content of what we're saying uh, from the words of God in Scripture. But it's not just about the social spaces that we inhabit. It's also our understanding, our intellect. Uh, I think we have to do a good job of learning church history. We have to recognize, specifically in America, that our faith did not start in 1776. It didn't start in 1492. We're talking about a corridor of three millennia of of narratives, of documented sources of Christian movements and navigations through the tensions of society for over three millennia and what that looked like so that we can learn from our fathers and mothers of the faith and make it visible today, contextualized to where we're living. Um, we also have to look at how do we meet the needs of the material physical bodies of people, acknowledging that there's dietary needs, that people need clothing, exercise, employment, um, opportunities for fair wages, hygiene, religion, or a righteous sexual expression and affordable housing. I think when the church begins to recognize that we can be prophetic and we can be agents of God's shalom, his peace in these spaces, even the emotions, the affections of people with mental illnesses on the rise, stress factors, there's various expressions of abuse from emotional to sexual, spiritual and verbal. Like we have the word of God, which is the healing salve for the human bleeding heart and even the non-material parts of the human being, the soul recognizing that uh, we as image bearers of God can be reconciled to our creator through Christ alone. And when we take that holistic framework, I think that's the content, that's the snapshots, that's that's the 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 uh, the filling in of the brochure, if you will, to say that Christ is about redeeming the whole of the human being, not just our soul and not just our theology, but our emotions, our physical bodies, and what it looks like to live righteously under the Lordship of Christ. All right, for those of you who have feverishly been trying to take notes and find the acronym human and all of that, uh, it is in the appendix, human, habitat, social spaces, understanding, the intellect, material, the physical body, affection, the emotions, non-material, the spiritual. Um, DA, my, uh, my listeners know I love appendices, and I love the appendix in intentional. Um, it is uh, several acronyms. So uh, the acronym ABLE, the acronym FABRIC, HUMAN, PACE, and RAPID. Um, so, I, first of all, I just want to say I really appreciate that they are collected for me in a way that I can just easily turn to them and remind myself um, of the of the points. Just really yeah. appreciate that they're that they're just aggregated there in a really um, simple way. Um, talk with me about um, the sin of partiality and the vital practice of affirmation, because I felt like in the book that. Those two chapters, the sin of partiality and then the vital practice of affirmation, I feel like they go together. And then I also feel like it's it's sort of the heart of what we have to understand in order to get to the place where we become this brochure for heaven. Absolutely. So earlier in the book, uh, as I set up the dialogue for the heart of the content, you're exactly right. Um, I give the, the distinction both biblically and historically uh, regarding uh, the tension between the terms ethnicity and race. So uh, just a 30,000-foot view to set up the answer to your question, um, I think that when we look at not just human history, but we look at the scriptures, um, we should be advocates of ethnicity, not what has been socially constructed as the term race. The reason that is, is because when we look at scripture, 
we all have the same father and mother, Adam and Eve. So there is one race, the human race. But that human race does not lead to the teaching that has been popularized known as colorblindedness, where it automatically erases the ethnicity of the individuals. So there are different ethnic heritages within this one human race. Even the gospel sets up this truth, because if we say that people can be reconciled to God, uh, there has to be a point of conciliation before reconciliation can take place. And that's why in intentional, I, I frame the conversation around uh, the ministry work of what I call ethnic conciliation as opposed to racial reconciliation, because if there's not multiple races, there's only one race, then you can't uh, reconcile what, when there's only already one. But then the reality of ethnicities is there's a multitude of ethnicities on planet Earth, and we need to recognize that, okay, so when in American history has there been a point of conciliation? Conciliation is achieved when there is no animosity, when there is no distrust, when there is no hostility. Well, that's never happened in American history in mass with the various ethnic heritages here on the American soil. So what we have to say is, okay, we need to focus on conciliation. And I think Jesus's finished work actually has spiritually already accomplished that. But now it is the church's role to make that practically visible. So all of that to say, when we lead to the whole dynamic of racism, that phrase, I'm trying to call the body of Christ to use new language, basically, so that we can recognize that if people say, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you're a racist, anybody can wiggle out of being called a racist, even people of color, such as myself. We could say, no, I can't be, I never technically can be racist because racism is an establishment of power and privilege. I've never had power and privilege, so I te technically can't be racist. So people can wiggle out of that. That, that. that term is a powder keg in itself. So what I say is, okay, let's stop calling it racism when there's only one race. Let's now call it the sin of partiality, because now it doesn't matter what ethnic heritage, doesn't matter what gender, doesn't matter what social class. This is the condition of the fallen, broken human heart that every human being is susceptible to practice. So we have to now say, OK, if God does not show partiality, then showing partiality is not a reflection of his character. If I'm made in his image, I'm, I'm made to reflect him. So I need to rid myself from the various expressions of partiality. And I even in the book talk about how I have been guilty of the sin of partiality. And so I think that when we begin to name it, now we begin to recognize it as a legitimate biblical identified sin. And when we do that, we have church discipline to deal with it. And if we're trying to hide it, we have the Lord's Supper. So, so there is no wiggle room. Either I'm going to deny taking the Lord's Supper because I know that there's this sin that I need to deal with and that I have to surrender to God and seek reconciliation interpersonally with my fellow brother and sister, or uh, I'm going to be put under church discipline for this. There's no, there's no middle ground. And so I think that the body of Christ, we have to take this approach so that, again, we can regain our witness. And as we do that, I think with us confessing the sin of partiality, receiving forgiveness, that's going to lead us to stronger, meaningful relationships, spiritual vitality. And again, it's going to give us a stronger witness to the world so that we can be those brochures of heaven. That is D.A. Horton. You can find him online at dahorton.com. His latest book, Intentional Kingdom Ethnicity in a Divided World. Uh, D.A., thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Well, again, thank you for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Something we'll be doing all week long 
during this, well, week of New Year's. Carmen is mostly off because I want to encourage you to join her Christmas Eve evening starting at uh, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern for Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. It's a New Year's Eve live stream event with Carmen LeBurge and other special guests and, of course, you and your comments as well. You can find out more about this on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and you'll see the information for Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow, a special live stream event, again, coming up this Thursday evening on our Faith Radio website, Faith Radio YouTube channel, as well as our Faith Radio Facebook page. Remember, Faith Radio is listener-supported, and as we're winding down 2020, if you're looking to do any special year-end giving, remember, Mornings with Carmen and our other Faith Radio original shows only happen because of your financial support. So if you would be so kind, head over to our website, MyFaithRadio.com, and you can make your special end-of-year gift right there, or maybe maybe consider as a resolution to become an ongoing monthly giver in 2021. Again, join us tomorrow. More of these best of conversations from Mornings with Carmen continue. So I'm Paul Perot, her producer. Have a great day, and thanks again for listening to Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.